When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams, niche nonsense, or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Welcome to the Chills. This was the week that saw Germany bring us a load of old games that we wouldn't normally watch. I tried and failed. How about you? This seems to be the week that all will be revealed about return dates for football in this country. But don't expect an immediate return. The only return you can guarantee right here, right now, is that of Mr Andy Saunders. I didn't enjoy the German football. Oh, I was going to bring that up a little bit later, but now you've started, we might as well. Yeah. What a load of old tosh. Well, was I looking forward to it? I, d- I don't think I was. Look, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm a Chelsea fan, right? I like watching Chelsea play. I get involved and invested in Chelsea. I will watch other mainly Premier League football if I think it has an effect on Chelsea and... If it, you know, if, if I'm invested in the league at that point, you know, and I like Premier League football, I'm really not that bothered about any other football. I used to watch Spanish football on a Saturday night when my wife was watching Strictly Come Dancing, um, and a little bit of Italian football on a Sunday if it was there. But I wasn't really that invested in it. So the German Bundesliga thing that took place over the weekend with no crowd and everything, I just thought it was rubbish. <laughs> It, okay, um, away from all of that, you know, I would not normally in any world watch Schalke and Dortmund play a game of football together. Mm. I was curious just because it was the football match returning to, to TV screens, unless you watch the game in Korea or whether you watch the Belarusian League. Um, but I have to say... I think we see the fundamental problem with this whole thing of playing behind closed doors. A, the atmosphere is sterile, and B, I think the smaller clubs that thrive on energy of the crowd will suffer. 11 versus 11 is not an even match-up for me between the top teams and the lesser teams. Those smaller teams need the crowd to get behind them. You know, we'd heard Union Berlin were taking on uh, Bayern Munich, and apparently with a full stadium, Berlin might have given them a bit of a game, but... Apparently, it was just a, a nice, easy 2-0 win. And I think that whole lack of atmosphere is what will destroy this being competitive at the highest level. Yeah, it's funny, actually. Sesk Fabregas said, didn't he, on social media that it was like watching a training game. And that's exactly what it was. And you do think, without the crowd there, who were the players actually playing for? Because, let's be honest, at this elite level, these are 11 mercenaries versus 11 mercenaries. They are paid professional footballers who we've discussed on many, many times over the years are not that invested in the club that they play for. They're there because they have a contract to play there and they play there to the best of their abilities. And that's not decrying their ability or their talent or um, the fact that they can have some engagement with the fans. But if the fans aren't there, it's just a game of football. And when, and when I say just a game of football, there's none of the emotion, there's none of the context, there's none of the jeopardy involved when there is a, a crowd there. And and yes, at the, in, the, in the lower leagues and the smaller leagues, doesn't really matter. But at the elite level... You need a crowd. A crowd is as, maybe not as much a part of a game, but it's a huge part of the watching experience of football at that level. Well, I think there's two things that come out of this. Is that One, I do believe... It, it reminds me of when uh, we first went out on tour, I first went out on tour with Gorillas when they played behind a screen. 
and uh, there was animation and the band were behind the screen so they never saw the audience now behind the screen it was kind of weird because they were you don't experience that feedback from the audience and i think it's the same thing with 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 footballers they need to have that that spontaneity of the crowd going nuts and i just cannot see how the game can actually carry on like this, even though we've only just started, for the long term. The- I wa- yeah, sorry. I, I watched Bo- uh, Dortmund Schalke. I mean, I watched the whole game. I watched all 90 minutes. I mean, it was on. I should have say it was on when I was, you know, it was on the TV and I, and I watched it. And it was a good game of football. There was, you know, there were goals. There were really good goals. You know, Haaland's obviously a, you know, class player. It was nice to see Torgan Hazard. That Dortmund team is, is, is really interesting. Um, Schalke weren't that good. Um, but, you know, it was... As a game of football, it was fine, but you know, a good game of football is not enough. And all those people saying, "Oh, yeah, it was quite nice, quite nice to you know to watch football again." You know, I enjoyed it. I just think, God, you must be really easily pleased. Yeah, and also, I, but there is another thing. Oh, by the way, I thought that midfielder of Dortmund's Brandt, he looks like a very good player. I think it's Brandt, long, blonde, bl- one. blonde hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked a very good player. Um, I agree with you. Everything did what it was meant to do. The ball got passed from player to player. Some lovely goals were scored, and there was something missing. And just maybe this will show the the authorities around the world just how important football fans are to the game of football. Because I do Mm. think football fans have been forgotten for a long, long time now. Forgotten and exploited, I think. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. So So I I won't be tuning in again, I have to say. Um, You know, if you want to go out and buy yourself a Dortmund shirt or a Bayern shirt and sit there on a Saturday afternoon and pretend that that's football then you know honestly good luck to you if it makes you happy I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit snide and a little bit sneery but I'm, genuinely if it makes you happy I'm, I'm cool with it. it doesn't make me happy that's what I'm saying so you know I want to be back in a stadium or at least watching a game on TV with a full stadium that for me is is the football experience I've bought into yeah and I, I'm now actually far more nervous about football coming back in this country and watching Chelsea and going, well, this doesn't, you know, a game that may mean that we do or don't qualify for the Champions League. And then it's just all about the 11 players. Can they G themselves up? Because I don't care what anyone says. Having watched this, there is no way they are not missing crowds. And you know what I was saying over the last couple of weeks about voiding the league? Because this isn't the same competition. That, that throws it into sharp relief, doesn't it? That, that is not the same competition as when we started with if we play football in that format. No, I agree. And that is why if you're going to do this, then you have to do it for next season. Void this season now, get rid of it, and then let's move on. And then maybe you've got to go the whole season without any crowd to make it even. You can't suddenly change it and get everyone back halfway through, can you? I genuinely found it depressing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's not be too depressed. I Um, was. I genuinely found it because I thought, well, this might be good. I might be able to get into this. This This might make the weekend go a bit quicker. Um, and then after five minutes, I was like, this is crap. I'm really not enjoying this. <laughs> Andy, to use one of your favourite lines, you know what? It's the hope that kills you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how's your, how's your week been other than... Oh, you know, like, you know, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> have you been running? It's been mental. Have you, have you been mentally busy and, and oh, working on loads and things? And you've been running. Week... I see you're going longer and going faster. Uh, yeah, week nine. Yeah, running a little bit more. Um, I mean, I, I enjoying the running. Enjoying is probably not right. Enjoying the, um, the, the 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 feeling of of achievement from running. I have to say, I'm up to six k now. Which you know, for, for you listeners out there that could knock that off in ten minutes, I'm sure that's you know that's pathetic by your standards. But I was um, you know ridiculously pleased with it. Um, so so yeah, the running's good now. It's getting hotter. It's going to be harder. I went for a run today and it was quite warm and I struggled if I'm honest. Um, but that's nice getting out there. And of course, you can go out you know a little bit further from home now and you can stay out for a bit longer so that's all nice and um you know i can go fishing which is good so i went fishing last week which was good and i'm going to go fishing tomorrow excellent so yes of course with with the the changes to lockdown this this really works in your favor doesn't it does and yours because you can go out for longer and watch birds and do do your country pursuits yeah to be fair you know everything is around my garden which is which is quite interesting we'll talk about that in a sec you know um well we talk about it now actually this this weekend we did something really interesting somebody a guy called darren archer organized a uh twitter garden bird race now for those that don't know 
a bird race is all about spotting as many birds as possible in 24 hours. It starts from midnight and goes through to midnight. Right. Um, How do you see birds in the dark? Well, you have your crepuscular species, i.e. your nighttime birds, like owls. And oh, okay. there, are, there are other ones out there. You can get red wing flying overhead at night. There are birds, other birds as well that migrate through the evening. You, you can, if, as long as you know what you're doing, you can recognise birds by sound. So, ah, it, it's so you don't have to actually physically see them. No, but you have to know uh, what you're doing. And it, it, right. this is based all on honesty because the only person you're fooling is yourself. You know, oh, I'd um, massively cheat. Yeah, I know. That's why we didn't invite you. I saw you. six owls. <laughs> you, you, you only have to sort of spot one from one oh, species. Six but... different owls, I saw. <laughs> there you Barn go. owls, big owls, <laughs> big small owls. red owls. You can have little owl. Little owl Lit- exists. Little owls, uh, <laughs> tawny owls. Yeah, you, you're going well. Long-eared owl, short-eared owl. See? Eagle owls. Yep, there you go. Yeah, you can have Scops owl, not over here. And if you see an eagle owl here, it's, it, you're lying. Um, but, um, snowy owl you could get. So that's all the owls what, covered. in Northamptonshire? Yeah, you could get a snowy owl. That when, could you? Yeah, you could, because these birds shouldn't normally appear on the mainland. But what happens is, especially uh, during the migratory season, birds can get blown off course and end up right, in places right. they shouldn't be. And that's where you get twitching from, because a twitcher is actually not just anyone who watches birds, but somebody who travels to a specific place to see a specific bird. Um, So a snowy owl could be blown off course and could end up in Northamptonshire. Are you you a twitcher? No. Um, I mean, I've done it because when I was doing my whole project, The Bird Effect, I wanted to experience it and get into it. You used it. to go to, was it the Isle of Wight you used to go to? Or the Isle? Silly Isles. Silly Isles. That's the Isles of Silly, to be pre- right. precise. Um, um, that was an amazing place. It's one of the golden places for, for bird watchers during migratory season. Incredible thing. You, know, you get red-eyed vireos that have been blown off course from America coming here. Mm. Because, of course, if they go the wrong way... There's no land between America and here. And Scilly is usually the the first port of call for a lot of these birds. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I started bird watching, when I decided to do this documentary about it, my bird list was really twisted. I'd never seen things like bullfinch or chaffinch, and yet I had red-eyed vireo and all all these other real rarities that people go, oh, my God, look at that list. That's incredible. And they go, oh, but you've never seen a chaffinch. and Crazy stuff. But so anyway, we had this bird race going on which was run over twitter uh and it was amazing because i got out in the garden i had no idea what it was going to be like um and i found throughout the day uh that quite a few chelsea fans were bird watchers too so we were exchanging exchanging mail and things and um yeah i i got to watching the skies and and listening very hard and um it was good I, i i managed to get 35 species which is pretty good wow and um, just in your garden yeah, just in the garden and Amazing. and overhead and and heard, but um, right. yeah, there are a couple of really nice ones. A thing called a tree creeper, which I hadn't seen for about three years here. Right, uh, beautiful little things that just literally go up and down a tree. Have you got uh, loads of feeders in there to attract them? No, not so many. I've, I've got three, four of them. Um, so yeah, there's a few, but it's it's a, a a nice large garden and it backs onto a field. So I saw a woodpecker in my garden yesterday. Which one? A, a greater uh, spotted. One of the black, black, and, the black yeah. and white one with the red, red bits on it. Greater spotted. You see, again, these are really common birds, and people are really surprised when they see them because they're mm. they're very furtive creatures, beautiful things. Yeah, very um, lovely. You know, but um, yeah, my rarest bird was a hobby that I saw, which is a bird well, of prey. Like a predator, isn't it? Yeah, yeah bird of prey. A raptor. And I love it for its Latin name, which is, and it gets us right back on track with this, Sabutio Sabutio. Is it? That's its Amazing. La- yeah, that's, it. that's its that. Latin name. Yeah, I love that. Me too. So, yeah, so I ended up with 35 species. Um, I think I came 35th out of a 120, 130 people that did it. So it, it was jolly good fun. And I was still out at midnight waiting to, to get the tawny owl, which normally I hear every night at about seven. No sign of it, so I couldn't get that. And actually, right. one woke me up just outside the window at 5.15 this morning. So 
that that was what I did. Now, Good. you you've been pretty busy as well. Uh, I have to say, I've also enjoyed, and this is where I love Twitter is when it's positive rather than people fighting and arguing and things. The Garden Bird race was good. But I have to say, you and the Chelsea playlists, it's fantastic, Andy. What gave you the idea? And do explain it. So so the idea was to run a Twitter poll, uh, because most of my followers are Chelsea fans, to be honest. I mean, I I mainly use Twitter for Chelsea and incoherent ranting. Uh, But I also, I put a little bit of music on there occasionally. And so I had this idea that I would do a Twitter poll where I would suggest some genres of music. And whichever one won, I would ask my Twitter followers to suggest one track for that genre. And then I would create a Spotify playlist. So the first one we did was Chelsea Motown. And we compiled a fantastic playlist of everybody's choices. And that went well. So I I did another one. And we we did a Chelsea Punk and New Wave last week, uh, which we ended up with over seven hours of music on the Spotify playlist. Uh, And this week, um, you can look out for uh, Chelsea Scar and Reggae, um, which was chosen this week. So I will be announcing that, I think, possibly tomorrow or Wednesday on my Twitter feed um, saying get your choices in and all you need to do is just send me your choice of track and I'll add it to the playlist and then uh, after a certain amount of time I'll close it and then I'll post the playlist so uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter it's at Mr A Saunders and um, you can see all the details for that and um, yeah if you want to uh, get the existing playlists if you go to Spotify and look for uh, Chelsea Motown and Chelsea Punk New Wave by Velocity PR um because that's my Spotify name uh, Velocity PR which is V E L O C I T Y P R uh, and that's just it's a bit of fun and uh, everybody seems to be enjoying it which is good yeah I love it anything that gets people taking part in things and and getting people thinking rather than it's like you know the ones I um, suggested, um, including, I think, probably the longest track on your list in Marky Moon by television. Um, yeah, well done for that. Four hours long. No, it's <laughs> well, actually ten minutes. Ten minutes, ten long, minutes and it? six seconds, I think. Yeah. Um, but it is a classic. But it's great because you do start thinking. I, I, you know, I went through and started seeing who picked what, and you're trying to go, uh, don't pick another Clash song, don't pick another Sex Pistols song, yeah. you know. And, and I have to say, uh, the most out there choice was seeing the snivelling shits on there. Uh, oh, yeah. I had no idea we'd ever talk about them on the Chels podcast. I know, there were some really, really random ones on there. It was a great, I think it was Mark Worrell who chose the original version of Hanging on the Telephone, Blondie's Hanging on the Telephone, which is why a band called The Nerves, um, which was great. You know, so there were some, some really good choices on there. And, and as for the Scar Reggae one, you can't choose the Liquidator because obviously I've chosen that. So, um, so that one's off the list. But everything else, I mean, it should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it yeah no I, I think that'll be fun I'm, I'm going through all my slightly you don't want it so obscure. and you can only choose one track so don't don't yeah. send me huge amounts of lists of, of stuff some people have you know just send me 20 songs it's like one track that's the whole point of it you can if you could only take one track from this genre which one would it be yeah no scar and reggae this week yeah I'm, Good. Looking, I'm looking forward to it. Well, before we get into the the week that's been, um, you know, uh, st- some slightly troubling news, which we're not going to talk about too much. Um, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi is back in the news for supposedly breaking lockdown. Um, it seems to be an ongoing situation. Do you think it's a shame that in this day and age, at this moment in time, on the whole, the majority of footballers are behaving really rather well and things like this happen, and I hear people say, oh, typical footballers, they're all overpaid, they're all this. It's so unfair on the, the majority of well-behaved players, isn't it, that people step out of line? Yeah, look, again, I think you're right. We can't talk about this too much because there's been a report in some newspapers which I don't wholly trust. Um, so I'm not going to take that news on face value. I'd like to see how the story develops before I comment on it. I would say this, if... Uh, that some of the allegations are are proved to be true, I'd be disappointed because I think it is up to uh, footballers, particularly or anybody in the public eye, to not so much set an example, but not to take the attitude that it doesn't apply to them. Um, And it's Chelsea as well. And I think Chelsea have acted so well throughout this whole crisis with their social responsibility. The players have been excellent. I don't know if you saw the Mason Mount conversation with the old lady that was all over social media where he, he Skyped 
worked or Zoomed an, an old lady and they had a lovely conversation for about 20 minutes. Um, you know, and he's somebody who's, who's also kind of fallen foul of the lockdown rules as well, but, but sort of redeemed himself, I thought, with that a little bit. It's a shame if, if there's evidence that, that Callum has done something wrong or, or, or behaved unthinkingly I think that lets the club down if it lets the club down it lets me down that, that's the way I look at it but you're right we can't we can't go into any kind of detail because we don't know what the facts are yet no uh, and it's at that spurious time of a story isn't it and I guess yeah. that's always your, your problem in the position you're in you you probably I don't know how it works for you but if you're approached to handle a story you your first thought must be I need to know the facts before I can decide how to 100%, work this. Yeah. 100%. You need to know the facts. Um, look, I don't believe in trial by social media. I don't believe in internet pylons. I don't believe in, in, in everybody kind of giving someone a kick in until, until all the facts are known. Um, and even then, I think it's nuanced. So, yes, let, let's, let's figure out what the facts are in this case. If they're serious, then let's hope that the club act accordingly. Um, if they're not, let's hope that we move on. Yeah, exactly. So, so has the is the world coming to life for you now that the lockdown rules have changed? Um, have you been out on public transport, or are you no. laying low at home? What's your been view? Been fishing, yeah, been fishing, which was nice. Um, and I'm going to go fishing tomorrow, which is nice. I mentioned that already. Um, I haven't been on. I'm, I'm no one. I'm going nowhere near public transport, to be honest. Um, I'm still a little bit paranoid because I'm asthmatic and I don't I don't want it. You know, I, I think I'd, I don't think I'd cope with it very well. So I um, I'm, I'm being sensible. Um, I'm going out for a run and avoiding people. Um, interestingly, um, regular wis- listeners will know that I play a lot of cricket in the summer. We have been given clearance to reopen our nets, our practice nets. And so we spent the weekend figuring out how we could do that safely. And that evolved a lot of social distancing and signage and hand sanitizer and gates being left open and booking systems and all sorts of stuff going on nothing is easy if you're going to do anything safely i mean i want to encourage as many people as possible in my cricket club to get out there and get some exercise and practice and engage with cricket as much as possible over the summer we're not going to play any matches for the foreseeable future but if you can throw a ball down or hit a ball uh, in a practice net that's great but how do we do that safely and how do we do that under the guidance so just well, that, ex- that experience has kind of has, has, has thrown into sharp relief how difficult it is to get back to normal. And I guess you'll only be able to touch your own balls for a change. Got to take you. Got to take your own ball. I, 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 hear, I hear your double entendre, <laughs> and um, and I Thank ignore you. it. But there is <laughs> an element. Wise. But there is an element of uh, of 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 not sharing balls. Absolutely. <laughs> and wiping down your equipment afterwards, Kerry. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Okay. Well, let's tackle another subject, shall we? Um, Let's move to our man on the spot, although he's really only on his spot at home. It's uh, Mr. Nizar Kinsella with this week's report. Hi, everyone. This is Nizar Kinsella, Gold's Chelsea correspondent, reporting for the Chelsea. Um, Yeah, we've got uh, a sort of look towards what football might be like with the Bundesliga returning. And, you know, I think that that might influence how the Premier League returns. Um, We've got kind of meetings again this week. There's been meetings with the managers, with captains. And, yeah, they've still not come to a resolution on a date that football can return. I think it will be mid-June um, by the way things are going, but there's a lot of details to be sorted out and, and getting the footballers on side is the, the last hurdle. So uh, before we can see Chelsea play, that will be the last hurdle. Um, it turns out that you know people have very wildly varying views on this, um, you know, both footballers themselves and the wider public. So, uh, yeah, it's a complicated one, but the direction of travel certainly is in, in starting football again. Uh, whether we'll complete it is another matter, but certainly starting again, is the way we're going to go. Um, so yeah, I think that this week we should actually get the sort of you know definitive announcement. I thought it could have been last week, but it didn't happen. It, it wasn't com- concluded. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. And then yeah, Chelsea are all back. They're out, they're out of quarantine. They were in quarantine. A lot of the players who travelled overseas to be with their family during the lockdown period, um, they're all back and, and they were in quarantine for 14 days as per government advice and, and they're out of it now. Um, there was an aim to get back to sort of training at the training grounds on, on Tuesday. Um, it's yet to be seen whether that will happen, but certainly that was the initial plan that people were gearing up for. Um, yeah, uh, so that's where we're at with Chelsea, really. Um, and yeah, beyond that, it's going to be a case of 
for my work as a as a journalist, still keeping an eye on the coronavirus story. I mean, how can you not? Um, you know, there's been a bit of transfer news. Not that stuff is moving, but you know, Dries Mertens is still in the mix as a free transfer. You know, I could see Chelsea looking at free transfers and loans and swap deals and stuff like that uh, in the summer market. Maybe one deal with a decent sized fee. Uh, but the transfer market is not going to look the same in the future. Um, yeah, my work, I sort of interviewed Roberto Carlos this weekend, which isn't Chelsea-related, but, you know, you can't turn down such a superstar like that. So, yeah, and there's a piece on Wednesday that he's, he talks about Chelsea actually quite a lot. So I'd kind of point you towards that as a sort of phone piece that Chelsea fans can read this week from me. Um, but that's it, really. Uh, all the best and, and stay safe, everyone. So, Andy, uh, great to hear from Naz, as usual. Um, fancy that. He got to talk to Roberto Carlos. I mean, yeah. w- was he a player you like, Roberto Carlos? Because there was a period, wasn't there, when there were always rumours about him probably coming to Chelsea, but it never happened. Great oh, footballer. He was one of those classic, yeah, he's coming, he's coming at the end of his career when he's a bit rubbish. I've seen him at a pub down in front Broadway, haven't I? Oh. It's, it's a bit like, you know, this, this kid Haaland who, Harland, Haaland, who plays for uh, Borussia Dortmund, you know. Whoa, he's, I mean, he's the business. He's the absolute business. He's a brilliant, brilliant elite striker. But no way in a million years is he's coming to us. He'll be coming to us when he's 32 <laughs> and has had three knee operations. That's when he's coming to us, frankly. We, sorry, sorry to be cynical about it. Yeah. Um, Roberto Carlos, I love that Brazil team that he played in. Um, and... You know, who can forget his free kick that started four yards outside the post and came back in? I mean, that's that's actually fairly common with the modern balls that we've got now. But in in you know when that happened originally, that was uh, that was uh, shockingly brilliant. Um, you know, a marauding left back of the old school. Uh, yeah, I loved him. I thought he was a I thought he was a great player. Yeah, and a, a, you know, proper proper ledge. And, and amazing that that has uh, got to talk to him. Yeah, I know. It's, it's it's all right this lockdown at times, and that's why I keep saying there are ways to make this positive, and he seems to be finding a way through it. So I'm I'm really glad for him. But yeah. also, he he talked about the transfer market and speculation in the fact that he was suggesting that there might be more loans and more swaps and possibly only one big transfer. But um, you can you can see that it will be a very different transfer market because nobody will be quite sure how much money they've got to give back or what's happening here or what's happening there. So you can see the transfer season being a, a little bit strange, can't you? Yeah, you can. I, I don't know how it's going to work. I mean, a lot of people talking about these swap deals. I mean, how many swap deals can you actually remember? I mean, apart from Ashley Cole and William Gallas, how many actual swap deals have we done or can you think of? Because I don't think there's many. No. It's not, I, a, it's, not a, it's not a thing, really. It's actually quite unusual when it happens. You know, you see all this silly speculation on, on social media about uh, Chelsea are in negotiations to offer X for X, you know, and, you know, offer this player for that player plus a certain amount of money. That, that stuff never happens. But, but, dot, 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 maybe it will. Maybe that's the new currency. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, the Jorginho to Juventus for Pjanic, but Pjanic has supposedly got a deal for Barcelona. We're not going to go it's into specifics. We're not going to go into these no, no, specifics. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm them. saying. I hate it because suddenly these ridiculous situations come up, but then you read another paper and you just think, no, I'm not interested. When I know who's coming, I'll talk about them. Once it's once it's signed, you then I'll mention it. You love it, though, Kerry. You love this speculation. I don't. I hate it. It's so boring because how often... Do these stories come true? I would say probably two or three percent of the time, wouldn't you? It's a well, particularly minimal. when Chelsea are so good at doing their business behind closed doors. I mean, I mean, so often, you know, we'll have an announcement, and you think, where did that come from? That's amazing, you know, that suddenly, two days beforehand, it will leak. But no more than that. We, you know, very rarely is there a, a, a situation where you know a, a rumor starts in May and we complete it in August. I mean, we're very good at doing our business in house. Yeah, look at Zayek, and and yeah. you know. But it's interesting because Frank has actually said in public that he would like the players that he's got if we're going to continue the season to sign extensions, and only mentioned extensions as opposed to new contracts for say William and Giroud and Pedro. I guess it, it's so odd. Can you imagine if? People come back to play again because I honestly, you know, I cannot see this being uh, mid-June. It has to be the end of June, surely. Can you imagine suddenly we've got 
not the same squad. And actually, most teams, because they won't have got other players to come in, will be playing with smaller squads. Well, again, again, I refer you back to my previous statement about it not being the same competition. Mm. I'm with you. With each week that goes by, I think those words ring ever truer. Uh, and it, it kind of is, um, oh, it's a weird one. Anyway, just before we go to the break, we're just going to, a couple of things. Bonnie Rig Blues asks, have you found your QPR Diabolical View ticket yet? <laughs> I saw that. No, I haven't. I don't know where it is. I've had, a, I've had a good old look for it. I can't find it. If I find it, I'll post it, but I don't know where it is. Okay. So what is your best or favourite bit of memorabilia or ephemera, Chelsea-related, of course? I posted this fairly recently on social media. I've got a brilliant... Well, I've got a couple of things, actually. I've got a signed photo of Peter Osgood that Phil Daniels gave me. Um, so Phil, Phil gave it to me as a present, and I had it framed up really nicely. It's a beautiful um, photo of Osgood. Um, so I, I love that. I've also got an original frame, uh, program from the 1970 FA Cup replay. Um, Old Trafford, which I framed as well, which my next door neighbour gave me, who's a Leeds fan. Um, and he just came round one day and go, I found this in the loft. I don't want it. We lost. Do you want it? And uh, it was a brilliant, it was just a brilliant thing. So um, so I've got that in a frame. I've got uh, a signed Zola shirt up on my office, um, which, is, which is lovely. Um, and I've got my Munich ticket in a really nice frame as well. So that's my, my favourite things. Okay, I I think mine is uh, the Chelsea FA Cup replay winning side of 1970, signed by all of them, except for, sadly, Peter Hausman. Um, I saw that. You you posted that, didn't you? But, you know, that's where it all started for me. So it's always a, a magical connection back to... The, the pretty much the week that I really truly became proper Chelsea, if you know what I mean. So, have you got um, any signed shirts? Uh, I have somewhere. I was trying to find it. Um, I've got somewhere one signed by Hullet and uh, Viali. Um, oh, that's cool. Which which uh, was got for me. So um, yes, somewhere, and I'm trying to find it. Um, and actually, on shirts, my favourite shirt because it was so ridiculous was that. Tangerine and graphite shirt. Don't know why oh, I, I want to like mention that. that. Shirt. <laughs> I loved I it because like it was so shirt. ridiculous. Lots of people said they like that shirt. I don't. Mm. I don't like it. No. I didn't really like many of the designs from that period. I think the I think Commodore they're all ones. questionable. The Commodores and the Coors ones. That was Coors, was I think. I think wasn't it? I can't remember. Yeah. Commodore or Coors? Yeah, it was Com- yeah. Com- Commodore. Cause, no, cause, I'm going to go with cause. Yeah. I'm going to go cause. All right. Well, look, that gives us cause to go to the oh. bank. Hey, nice. here it is. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Okay, we're back, Andy. It's now serious time. It's time to ask you... A very serious question. This is from Pete Dancer, who sent this in a a couple of weeks ago. You'll probably find his name is really Pete Dancer. Oh, yeah, he criticised me for for, for not being able to pronounce some random place in Ireland, didn't he? Well, there you go. You you know, he's quite right. But um, his question is, what was your favourite season as a fan? Not necessarily our most successful in terms of honours, I loved 88 to 89 in the old second division where we won the title by 17 hmm. points and loads of great away trips that year. So we're going to do yours and we'll come back to mine a bit later because it will tie in with something else. So well, over mine, to you, Andy. Mine is the same season. 
that 88-89 second division season. That's my favourite season. Uh, we'd been relegated. Well, no, that's okay. It's fine. Yeah, you know, it's we fine. were relegated. No, I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it just just so happens that Pete's a man of taste like me. Um, it, we'd been relegated from the old first division via the playoffs, the old first division playoffs. Um, uh, the final game was against Borough, and we'd received a six-match closure of the shed due to crowd trouble in that game. So. The, you know, the start of the season was was rubbish. I mean, we actually started that that season really badly. We won one of our opening eight league matches in front of an empty shed. Um, we did have some sort of big scoring games throughout the season. We I think we scored five against Plymouth. We beat Walsall seven nil away. But I think um, we played Man City, uh, who were our sort of big rivals for the league, the the second division title that year. We played Man City away and we beat them three two at Main Road in a brilliant game and that and that felt like a pivotal game in that season and then we went on a 27 game unbeaten run um which was only spoiled by a 2-0 loss away at Leicester but then we won the title the following week with a 1-0 win over dirty leads at the bridge with Johnny Bumpstead scoring the goal uh, with four games to spare and we finished the campaign on 99 points, which was a new record for the second division. And we actually ended up 17 points clear of Man City, as, uh, as Pete mentioned. Uh, Dixon got 26 goals in that season. Gordon Jury got 17. Graham Roberts got 15 goals in that season, but 12 of them were penalties. Uh, Graham Lasso made his debut on the last day of the season. Uh, so, yeah, good, a, re- a really good season. Um, we didn't do very well in the Cups. We lost 4-1 to Scunthorpe in the League Cup, first leg at the bridge, 6-3 on aggregate, and we lost 4-0 to Barnsley in the FA Cup, and also 4-1 to Forest in the Simod Cup. So Cup's not a good thing, but that, that was my favourite season. I really enjoyed it. The Simod Cup. Simod <laughs> oh, Cup. Oh, my God. At some point, we might have thought that was an OK thing to be in, and then, we, yeah. yeah, no, Mickey Mouse. I, although we I lost don't 4-1 think to Forest, didn't it? Yeah. I don't think we ever thought anything was Mickey Mouse when we were in it in those days. Um, so who is, your, who is your player of the season and, and who was your favourite player in that side? Were they different? Were they the same? Curious. No, in, in, that, in that season it was Kerry Dixon because he was absolutely on fire. Smashed in 26 goals. He was, he was brilliant in that season. Yeah, he he was. He, and of course, he ended up uh, into... The, that set him up for the next year for going to the World Cup, really. That that really... Yeah. He he was... He, I, I always feel sorry for Kerry because... Not just because he's got the same sort of name as me, but the fact that he appeared at a time when he had Gary Lineker. It, it was a classic... It was a bit like Benetti and Gordon Banks, isn't it? It's the same thing. Yeah. Any other time, they would have probably been the number one at their job. I mean, you have yeah. to say Graham Roberts in that season as well, because even though he's proved himself to be a, you know, not a very pleasant man and, you know, just, you know, become Spurs, really. Spurs, really, isn't he? Spurs and Rangers. Um, and, and not somebody that subsequently has sort of really felt any... And sort of left the club on bad terms after falling out with Ken Bates. In that season, he was pretty remarkable. I mean, scoring 15 goals, 12 from penalties, is quite a, quite a feat from centre-back. So, um, yeah, he was, he was pretty, pretty amazing in that season as well. And you have to say, his penalty-taking, I've never seen anyone hit a penalty harder than he would. I wouldn't want to be standing 12 yards from oh. <laughs> they were net bulgers, and there's very few players who take penalties like that. They usually mm. get them with power, but it's just taken off a bit. He would most of the time larrup that ball. I mean, it, it was <laughs> a sight to behold. But, I mean, it, um, it would be very. You know, I, I've spoken to a lot of Chelsea fans about this, and, and it's quite a common favourite season amongst amongst fans of a certain age. Even though it was in the second division, you know, we had some really good away days, as Pete says. We we you know we we play teams that we hadn't played for a long time. We were really good and really consistent, you know, apart from that that opening of the season where we where we weren't. After we'd got over that that first eight games or so, we were really, really consistent. It was just enjoyable to see us steamroller teams and win and go on and it was just a fantastic day, you know, winning the second division title and, and getting promoted back up to the first division after and especially beating Leeds, which was brilliant, you know. So what was yours, Kerry? Well, mine, <clears throat> excuse me, went a bit croaky there. Uh, mine, I guess I would have to go for the first year. Well, interestingly, 
I watched that Chelsea-Liverpool game uh, this weekend, finally caught up with it in the last few hours of it on, on Sky. Um, and it was really it was good, interesting. It? Yeah, it was great. But there's so many things, A, I'd forgotten about it, that actually that was the goodbye to Franco. And I've forgotten that whole moment when he came on and everyone went nuts. Um, the, the, the fact that Graham Lasso, as you said last week, was so good in it. Um, yeah. And then he, how he spoke after the game about how he was looking forward to Champions League football and that now was the time to get Zola to stay another year, neither of which happened. But yeah. before we got that, just at the end of the celebrations, there was a shot of the crowd and it was me and my crew. There's me and Wimpy. Well, I didn't see Jackie. you in it. I saw, I saw Wimpy in it. No, we're, we're there. Jackie and I are on the far right of it. Um, if you just are go you along. actually in the, sh- in, yeah. the, in the shot? Yeah, exactly. I'll send. I'll like, you, put, you put the video up. I saw the video. Yeah, up. It's, I, couldn't, it's I couldn't see you in it. On the far right, it just oh, okay. pans across, and we're there. I'll send the photo. I took a photo, and that was quite amazing because yeah, Damon, yeah. Damon, as always, was uh, climbing on top of the uh, the chairs, going nuts, which must have driven everyone nuts behind because he used <sighs> to do it all the time. <sighs> But, uh, but yeah, my views on that. Oh, yes, I do. So that got me thinking that actually, because of that game, I started looking at it and I'm going to go for 2003, 2004, the following year as my favorite season, mainly because everyone talks about under Abramovich that this is the last season of Ranieri. No, this is, yeah, the last year of Ranieri, the first year of Roman. A lot of people forget about it, that actually we all remember, or a lot of people remember Mourinho as a starting point. And it really wasn't. That year, we bought, when Roman Abramovich came in, we knew Ranieri was a dead man walking just by the talk, supposedly. Um, Not that I listened to speculation, but it turned out to be true. But that year, I, I just cannot ever forget the feeling through that that whole summer of really being the only time in my life where every time I woke up, I would put Sky Sports News on because we would probably buy another player. Uh, so we bought so we bought Joe Cole, Veron were, were uh, the kind of two, weren't they, that started well, the whole thing? Was that okay? Right? It was okay. Here they are: uh, Jurgen Macho, who ended up, <laughs> okay. You're who, starting with Jurgen Macho, yeah. But he, he never he, played for us. No, because he did his cruciates, didn't he? And never played football again. Um, <laughs> he was brought in to be a top goalkeeper for us. It's the way, um, it's the way you went, oh, I woke uh, up and Sky News and everything. Jürgen Macho. Jürgen Macho. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, it was uh, the players we brought in were Glenn Johnson, Glenn Jeremy, Johnson. Yeah. Wayne, Glenn Johnson in his toilet seat, uh, Jeremy, yeah. Wayne Bridge, Damien Duff, Joe mm. Cole, Juan Sebastian Veron. Adrian Mutu, oh. <laughs> who looked as though he was going to be the buyout of all of them. Um, Alexi Smirtin, Hernan Crespo. Underrated. Underrated. Yeah, I, I felt sorry for him. He got lost and everyone said, oh, I only bought him because he's Russian, which actually really wasn't fair. He's, he's a decent good, little player. Yeah, he was. Hernan Crespo, who I love as a footballer. Yeah, he was great. Um, Makaleli. Oof. Scott Parker. After he'd gone on strike at Real Madrid. Yeah. Remember all that? He yeah. went on strike and then we bought him, yeah. Scott Parker. Yeah. And finally, the biggest of them all, Neil Sullivan. <laughs> so, Neil Sullivan? Yeah. He, he played quite a few games for us as well. Neil um, Sullivan? Yeah, Neil Sullivan. Goalkeeper. Oh, yeah, I know he is. From Wimbledon. Oh, yeah, he did. You're right. Yeah. God, I completely forgot uh, about it. So it's a really interesting list. And we spent a total of £111,150,000 that summer. Well, that was a huge amount of money then. Oh, my God. It's a huge amount of money now in, in a lot of ways, apart from the glamour footballs that go, that go for that amount. Do you know how much we got back in transfers out? And do you know who went? We, we got rid of Zola. Uh, we got rid of Jody didn't Morris. Didn't get any money for him, though, did we? No. We got rid of Jody Morris. He went. Ed DeHoy went to Stoke. Um, we, we also got rid of my favourite, one of my favourite fullbacks in Albert Ferrer. Yeah. Albert, Albert Ferrer, everyone knows his name. There's no need for that. Well, there is, because he gets forgotten about. And the only money we got was from selling Graham Lasso to Southampton for half a million. Yeah. 
<laughs> that was in the days where balance in the books. Nah, no need. Was- I mean, I don't know this, but also as well, I don't think Ranieri gets credit because he also, maybe not that summer, but pretty shortly afterwards, so maybe in January, bought Czech. He definitely bought Czech. And I think, no, he didn't buy it. Essien and Drogba and Mourinho. But yeah. He definitely bought Czech. So, you know, a lot of those players, people assume because they played in the 2004-2005 season, they assume that a lot of those players were Mourinho players. But you're absolutely right. Yep. Ranieri bought a lot of those players through. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't get the credit. And I'll get to the reason why I think that is in certain ways shortly. Um, so well, yeah, knackering we, up the Champions League semi-final well, that's would be where, one of yeah, them. Yeah, let's just get there. So, you know, the first game was away to Liverpool and we won 2-1. And that was the mm. old and the new scoring. Veron scored and... And Hasselbank scored. And you thought, oh my God, this is amazing. We've got, you know, Veron was a player who everyone had raved about, had gone to Man U and just been a wet fish up there. And came to us, started off well, and then just disappeared from view. Um, but it was an amazing... We, I think everyone thought that Veron and Crespo were going to be like Ardiles and Ricky Villa for, for, for us. But it never quite worked out like that. But... It was just an amazing, amazing summer. I mean, we actually, uh, we, we, the one thing we'd always struggle for, and it was the thing that we'd always talked about, if we could find consistency, we could become a very good side. And this was the season where we started to find some consistency. We finished second behind Arsenal. We crossed swords with Arsenal a lot that season. They became champions and they knocked us out of the FA Cup in the fifth round. We always had a fear of Arsenal, but I think even though we finished behind them in the league, this was the year the fear left us, thanks to that amazing night at Highbury in the Champions League. They'd felt they had the wood over us and been striving for years to win the league, the Champions League, and, and they felt they are better than us. And to be honest, most of the time we did too. But that night, oh, I'll never forget that, that night at Highbury when... With, what was it, two minutes to go, Wayne Bridge. That's mm. all you have to say, isn't it? Brilliant, yeah, it was you brilliant. And, and that song as well that went with it, you know. It was just, it, you couldn't, if you do one thing in your career at a club, Wayne Bridge did it that night, didn't he? It was brilliant, and, yeah, it was great. And everything else didn't matter, because I really maintained that was the night that we lost our fear of Arsenal. You know, mm. I used to hate seeing that shirt, but, you know... Suddenly you felt like, oh, it's time to get up. Um, you, it, suddenly you felt like this was it. We were arriving. We hadn't quite arrived, but we arrived. We were arriving. Yeah. So that leads me into the. So for me, that was the season that actually changed everything. And it ties us into the next question. And I'll go with this season as part of the answer. What from Carl Eldritch, who asks, what is the one trophy we blew when we should have won something and just threw it away? And I would say it was the Champions League that year with the Monaco semi-final, where we were tied at one all away in the first leg. And then strange, weird substitutions. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank on for Mario Melchior, Robert Huth on for Parker. And suddenly one all became a 3-1 loss. And, oh, it was Marco Ambrosio. Do you remember him? He was in goal, and he literally Mate, dropped the I ball. remember the game very clearly. Oh, it's horrendous, isn't it? It is horrendous. But, yeah, I think you can, you know, in answer to that question, yes, I mean, I think that, that for me, finished, finished Ranieri for me and probably for everybody else as well. It was ridiculous, ridiculous bit of management. He has to say full blame for it. Um, but I think you can perm any one, one of, like, five Champions League uh, exits as being trophies that we blew, you know, starting with John Terry middle, you know, missing the penalty in Moscow, uh, the, 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 you know, the inability to put Barcelona to bed because of the, you know, the, the refereeing and various other things. These are all, these are all champions leagues. We should have won and, and we didn't, but you know, I, I think the worst of them is Monaco. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you agree. Cause you know, and then, and then the home leg where you thought, well, if we go two up, we've got a chance. And we went two up and then gave away a goal in injury time in the Stupid. first half. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ended up to all. Should never have lost that. And that, that was such a strange season. It was such an amazing season. And we were on such a roller coaster. But somehow we blew that. And we had two chances to get rid of Monaco. And they weren't very good. It was, mm. oh, it was so frustrating. So, 
Yeah, that that's my favourite season mixed in with the worst throw it away of all. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you know, happy memories, mixed memories, but well. well good, uh, you know, a good season would definitely be right up there for me as well. Um, and you're absolutely right about blowing it. That it was That was awful. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. All right, well, look, I'm exhausted after reliving all those moments from the 80s and the early 2000s. It must be time for First, Worst and Best, which comes from one of our younger fans, 20-year-old Pierre Frizzell. Hey, it's Pierre here, um, and I'm really excited to give to you my First, Worst and Best Chelsea memories. So, first of all, um, just a little bit of context. I'm a 20-year-old who lives in Harrogate um, and works in Leeds. You can imagine what that's like being a Chelsea fan working in Leeds. I actually work with somebody who passionately hates Chelsea and hates Frank Lampard even more. So you can imagine what that's like. Um, but with that in mind, I haven't actually been to the bridge for a game yet, unfortunately. My first game was due to be the game, the home fixture against Norwich, but coronavirus put a stop to all of that. So, but despite that, I do watch Chelsea fanatically and religiously. Just ask my family. Um, so that even includes once when I was doing a stadium tour of Old Trafford with a friend of mine. I, he was enjoying the tour, but I was just live streaming the Chelsea-Huddersfield game, which included Higuain scoring his first Chelsea goal, um, which I loudly cheered as we walked down the tunnel onto the pitch. But um, enough of that. So the worst game, the worst game I've ever watched was probably... A bit of a left or field choice, but there was a game at the beginning of 2018 against Watford away, which we lost 4-1. Um, it had come after... We'd done all right in the league with Antonio Conte up until Christmas, and we'd, we'd done pretty well. I think we got pretty close to the top. Um, but after Christmas, we'd had a slew of really disappointing draws. We'd been dumped out of the um, Caribou Cup, and the game before this had been a 3-0 loss to Bournemouth, which I think was at home. So we were really needing a good result in this game. Not to mention our next fi- fixtures included Manchester United, Manchester City and two against Barcelona in the Champions League. So we were really needing something to boost our confidence, especially with all the off-field drama going on with Conte and Louise, um, which was just a horrible distraction. But yeah, we ended up losing 4-1. Um, Bakioko sent off fairly early on before half-time. After so many fouls, he just deserved he just deserved to be sent off. Um, they scored. Hazard rescued us with just 10 minutes to go. And we thought we'd done enough just to cling on for a point. But then we just crumbled and conceded another three. And ended up losing 4-1. So, yeah, that was definitely the idea for me. But enough said on that um, going on to the best I'm going to swerve the obvious 8-0 to Wigan which has just been the anniversary of and go for the 4-0 win against United in 2016 um, this was I think it was Mourinho's first trip back to the bridge um, with Manchester United and he'd been playing mind games before and it was just all set up for a tense game um, we'd put t- together we'd got a couple of wins after we'd lost 3-0 to Arsenal and this was our first proper big test since we'd moved to the 3-4-3 which seemed to be working um, and a test which we passed and then some thumping them 4-0 and I'll never forget Antonio Conte jumping into the stands and kind of the ecstasy um, from that game lived with me for a long time the connection with the manager the the Pedro goal after just 39 seconds you knew from that moment it was going to be a cracker Um, and yeah so so for that reason I absolutely loved that match and it's a match I'll never forget so thanks that's my first best and best thanks very much for having me on and keep it blue keep it Chelsea cheers so Andy he works and lives up in Leeds and his first game was going to be Norwich at home but there is no first game for people now is there this is brings us back to where we started it it's got to be really hard to to really love a team if you can't see them live hasn't it and we've got to hope people get the chance well i've never bought into that it makes you a better fan if you go and see the the team live i don't don't think it you know it gives you credit over anybody that doesn't i think if you live somewhere and you make the effort to watch the game i mean sometimes people have to get up at ludicrous hours of the morning they have to you know make make plans to you know to 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 fit it around their daily lives and and that takes 
just as much commitment as getting on a train and going to the ground. We are very, very lucky to be able to go and see our football team live. I don't look down my nose at anybody who can't do that. It's a a blessing to be able to do it. And I hope everybody that's a Chelsea fan gets the opportunity to do it because it's a marvellous thing. Yeah, and, and that's my point, really, is that it, it doesn't matter whether you go or you don't go. If you're Chelsea, you're Chelsea. It doesn't matter but, at all. It doesn't no. matter at all. There's a whole, there's a whole um, snobbery amongst match-going fans about this, and it's ludicrous, and they just need to wind their necks in on it. Yeah, I agree, because and you, you feel for those people who can't go because of the situation at the moment, but you'll all get your chance, and, you know... Yeah. Chelsea needs supporting from everywhere. You know, you think about all the, the people who live abroad that are, are Chelsea fans through and through. Well, you know, that's what and I just that's said, it. Yeah, yeah you're, absolutely. You're absolutely Look, and I would, I would say this. If you do get a chance to come to a game, watch the game. Don't sit throughout the whole thing on your phone, taking photos, Instagramming your experience. Just let yourself be carried away by the game because I find that... Too many people come and they profess to be incredible fans and this is their first time and they spend the game watching it through a screen. And I just find that utterly depressing. So put your phone in your pocket, take your pictures at the beginning, take them at half time, take them at the end. But when the game is on, watch the game. Well, and actually, you know, his best game being that 4-0 against United under Conte. Um, if you'd have been looking through your phone, you would have missed all the hysterical action on the, on the side of the pitch when Conte went nuts. Did you like his behaviour through that game? I, for loved a lot of it. fans, they really loved it. And I've met other people who go, oh, it's a disgraceful no, match. No, I way loved it. Loved it, was- it. I mean, I love passion. I think, I, you know, I, 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 I think football's a passionate game. And you, I mean, as long as you're on the right side of, of it, I mean, if you're being threatening or abusive or, you know, being a, being a dick, basically, then no, I don't. But passion, getting caught up in the moment, you know, loving... And, and feeling the euphoria of it and sharing that with the fans, I think that's an amazing thing. Yeah, me too. And, and that day against United, it was, it was an extraordinary atmosphere. It was Jose returning, as he said. Um, it was one of those games, there was a real buzz about it. And that was the other thing I was going to say, is watching that Chelsea-Liverpool game the, the other week, um, you realised just how much noise can be generated in Stamford Bridge and the atmosphere. I mean, it was incessant. And actually, that United 4-0 game was one of the few times it felt like those old days of just all bets are off, we are all going to enjoy 90 minutes. Yeah, we, we really only recreate that noise under the lights now, and, and, and not even then all the time. The big Champions League games or the big title games, the game against Spurs when we stopped them winning the title and recent Champions League exploits, you know, that, that that's when the noise level can go up. But but sadly, I think a lot of that atmosphere is gone from the bridge. And it, I don't know whether that's because we're under, underperforming as a team or we haven't quite got there yet. But I think when we start playing really exciting, consistently winning football again, sad to say, um, that will give the fans something to cheer about. And, and hopefully we'll get back to that that level of, of passion that we know can exist within the bridge. Well, you know, as Pierre says, he works and lives in Leeds and he gets a lot of stick up there. Um, but Dirty team like Leeds. Leeds, yeah, if we had them back up, that would bring a bit of atmosphere back, wouldn't it? Yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, they don't get that many fans, the away, the away team. That's the thing. And it's not like they get a whole end these days. They only get the corner. It's up to us to make the noise. They can make noise. I mean, away fans tend to make noise. Um, you'd hope that that old rivalry would, would provoke some reaction. The problem is the way football crowds are made up these days, there's an awful lot of people who come along because it's an experience and because they want the reputational value of having been there or they just want to experience a Premier League football game. And there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that. Because we all do that, not necessarily with football, but with other things, you know, going to the theatre or, 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 you know, other events that we wouldn't ordinarily go to. Of course, we'd want to take a picture of ourselves there. Of course, we'd want to, you know, Instagram that and whatever. But I think with football, we may have tilted the balance so much because it's so expensive to go now that it stopped a lot of people going that ordinarily would have been those people making the noise and being passionate you know it's a whole it's a whole rant that probably isn't appropriate for the for the end of this show (laughs) no it probably isn't so you know let's keep positive on it and anyway but that's not to say that i don't i don't think people should come and experience Stanford bridge i'm not i'm not exclusionary about it i'm not saying you shouldn't come i'm just i'm just asking you if you do come please 
please be involved in the atmosphere and watching the game and not not involved in in posting your profile on the world wide web yeah make some noise and you know we'll we'll see whenever we get back let's hope we all realize what we've missed and we can create uh, an atmosphere again for well, hope, hopefully players. that that will be you know we'll be so it'll be such a joyous occasion to be back i i hope that that is the tipping point for us to get back to positive loud raucous passionate support yeah i agree it's time to reset as they say so all right andy well look we're we're out of time we've run out of time for certain questions andrew self we will get round to your question which was to name the shortest and tallest chelsea 11 next love that. week love that question looking <laughs> forward to that <laughs> that should be fun um thanks as always to mr nizar kinsella go read all his stuff on gold.com Thanks to Pierre Frizel for his first, worst and best. And thank you, as always, for my compadre, Mr Andy Saunders. See you next week, Kill. All right, mate. Cheers, then. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.